Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast alongside Drew Stevens. I'm Matt Gentile. And Drew, the Denver Nuggets are world champions, dispatching the Miami Heat on Monday night in five games. You know what that means? The offseason's officially here, my friend. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's big for the Bulls fans, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And we got a little bit of a, a surprise for you guys, a little panel discussion coming up here shortly. But real quick, Drew, just want to get your thoughts on the finals, of course. Miami Heat, I think, gave it all they could, but Denver just overpowered them in the end. Yeah, I think it was pretty much the result that a lot of us thought we would get, whether that came in five games or six games. Um, I think just just me kind of watching it with the eye of someone who really admires Jimmy Butler and his game and everything um, the Heat have been able to do um, in this playoffs – it was a little disappointing just in the sense of how passive Butler was, it seemed at times, um, offensively, not necessarily hunting for shots. And that's not really his game. I understand that, you know, he only does that um, every so often. But I think I was a little disappointed in that. Not his overall performance, but just not really kind of trying to take the bull by the horns. Um, we saw him what was it, scored 13 points down the stretch of the fourth quarter, but he also had, I think, one or two really kind of bad turnovers or maybe one bad turnover and an ill-timed shot. Um, So that just in and of itself was a little disappointing the way it ended um, from that perspective. But Denver has looked like the best team in basketball for a little while now and especially during the playoffs. So – the question I have now is, are they going to be hungry enough to to repeat? I know Michael Malone will be, but the rest of those guys, you know, after you win that first one, I feel like it takes a little bit of that edge away. So we'll see what happens next season. And it'll definitely be interesting to watch. I, I think my biggest takeaway and, um, you know, it, it was a shame to kind of see what happened with, with Jimmy, like you were saying, and I, reading Twitter reactions to it. It's like going down a, a hole of evil sludge. You know, just a lot of a lot of people just getting on Jimmy and like, look, the man carried this team on his back in the playoffs to get him to this point. Like he's earned some benefit of the doubt. Yes, there were some costly turnovers there down the stretch, a rough shooting night to start. Um, but I, I certainly wouldn't take anything away from that Miami Heat team or from Jimmy Butler. Uh, big credit goes, of course, to Nikola Jokic and. Watching him celebrate, it was like the most casual way to celebrate an NBA Finals, but I wouldn't expect anything less. But, um, you know, we are both podcasts, so I do want to get to um, this offseason because it's now officially official. Like, we've all been talking about it. You know, you and I have been talking about it. Other Bulls podcasts have been talking about the offseason. And now we're getting ever so closer to it. So... What lane are Taurus Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley going to pick? Is it continuity, retool, rebuild? Who the hell knows? But Drew and I decided that for this discussion, this initial kickoff in the offseason, we wanted to bring on some heavy hitters, two max contract podcasters, if you will. Drew and I are going to go into the luxury tax for this (laughs) podcast, right? Unlike the Reinsdorf, Drew, we're going into the luxury tax. Amen. <laughs> so let's bring in our guests. Yes, a four-man weave today. The hosts 
of the Bulls Gold Podcast. That's right, Edward Schuler and Salim Sirtawala. Guys, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Man, I am doing fantastic. Great to talk to you, both of you guys, man. Matt, Drew, how's it going? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, great to be back on with y'all. Uh, I think I was... Was that was that your first guest? Like when you guys joined up? Like I can't remember. You were on with I us, remember. I think, when we did our season preview. We were only like a few episodes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like first guest as in like as a duo when you guys were a duo. Because I know I was I've been on yeah. quite a few times on Rebuildable, but I meant like when you guys were a duo. Yeah. I can't remember if you had a different guest on before me. Uh when you guys were doing your thing. Yeah. And obviously, Drew's just been like blowing up, man. This guy's covering the Bulls like professionally now. Killing like, it. We can't even touch you right now, man. Like you just you a king. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm hey, man. I just uh, it's it's um been a blessing. I'm just trying to continue to to do what I can, man. But um, you know, just contribute to the Bulls Bulls community because it's it's so many good people putting great content out, and I'm just happy to be a part of it, honestly. Right. Um, well, I'm I'm just happy your hard work's paying off, man. That's always good to see. Like you've been writing just like you you started like a blog like a long time ago, and then you got a little opportunities here or there, and you took advantage of those. And yeah, man, you've been yeah. doing it. That's awesome to see. Yeah, man, props to you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Down. Been, down, man. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. Um, kind of hitting on these these NBA finals, man. I'm going to hit you with a Bulls-related question. Um, if you could take one player from either team, not named Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Nikola Jokic, or Jamal Murray, who would that one player be? Oh, man. Okay, so did you – so from each team or just in general, like from so both just, teams? Just, just, one, just one player, but, you, get, you know, it can be either from the Heat or the Nuggets, but not, you know, not the two, not the two, two, not the two best players on each team. Okay. Um, so Aaron Gordon, did you mention Aaron Gordon? I, I would take Aaron Gordon. Uh, what he's become, yeah, what he's become as that four, like he's become that good uh, backside rim protector. He's become like he's a his passing chops, his creation chops have improved. Um, obviously, the development maybe has played into going to Denver and playing with Jokic. Maybe that's played into it, but still, the player that he's become is like the ideal. Like I, I know, like someone brought it up on on Bulls Twitter, but like if Pat turned into that, hey, that'd be pretty nice. Um, but yeah, like he would be ideal. Other one A, I would say Cody Martin because like not Cody, sorry, Caleb Martin because. Last year, uh, when he was a free agent, like towards the end of like free agency, he was still out there with his brother Cody. I was like, man, just get both of those guys. Like, I'll take Caleb, but give me Cody too. I wanted like the Bulls to go and get these dudes because, like, they needed like young, you know, guys that could come in instead of like wasting on Malcolm Hill. And you know, my issue if you guys. Know me, one of my biggest issues has been like AK and them spending on the margins and they've wasted opportunities and guys like that, you know, on the margin would be like absolute steals. Like getting a Caleb Martin on, on the margin 
and he comes in and does a two-way player, can shoot the ball, like play multiple positions. But yeah, I would say Aaron Gordon for sure. Like that, he would be the ideal, like he would fit in seamlessly, I think, on the team too. Yeah, that's a good one. I I, I would go Caleb Martin just for just the overall versatility, the shot making. He, he showed a little bit off the dribble too in the postseason. And who who knows what he's going to look like with even more opportunities next season. Like we, he, there were times in the postseason where he looked like an all star fringe, all star type of player. So I, I imagine Miami's going to give him more opportunities to do something next year. So I, I would look at Caleb Martin, and I don't know if I have a, a, a secondary option. Aaron Gordon is really good. Aaron Gordon is a really good one because he he's really just like changed his game and he's really reinvented himself especially when you look back at what he was viewed as as a prospect coming into the league so yeah go going Caleb Martin here man the crazy thing with Gordon too is like he's one of those players that you know he came in a league you would thought he was like just of pure four right. he's kind of been that th- big three now in the in the modern game like them like that big like, sorry, maybe it was more of a three, but, like, now he's turned into more of a four in the modern game. Um, and, like I said, he's improved, like, his shot, everything. Like, he can legit – he's a legit third guy on a championship team. That's what he's basically turned into. And, yeah. I mean, that's – I mean, you can't take anything away from that. Like, yeah, he, he would be – he would be an absolute – like, if he can – you could both get that type of player. And like I said, I think Pat has various different things in his. I'm still I'm still not out on Pat. Like I know there's a lot of discourse on Pat, and I'm not I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get into that today, but <laughs> um I'm 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 still I'm still in on him. Like I think there's definitely skills there that like we can have the conversation. Obviously, is, is he gonna be a superstar? No, I mean the stuff about Kawhi was always ridiculous. People put too much you know, pressure on on these some of these young players to sit there and say they're gonna become top five players. That doesn't matter where you were picked, but like he's showing skills, like he's showing like he's a positive uh defender. He's a plus defender at, at only 21, 22, and he can shoot the ball. There's still room there. And I mean there's still room, I think, offensively for him. There's some more juice there for him, but we'll see if that can develop. He needs the opportunities, the reps. It's not just about getting the minutes. You need to be able to be at get the ball in his hands more and let him kind of see what he can do. Right. But yeah, sorry, got on a tangent on my damn pat rant. <laughs> we bring the project uh, on my soapbox. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> getting on my pat soapbox. It's interesting. Like to me, the the first guy that popped in my head, and I, I love both of those. Like I, Aaron Gordon would be a great addition to this roster. I think. Caleb Martin would be a great addition. Max Struess was the first one to pop into my head just because Phil's an obvious need. And that one still, I think, eats at me a lot, knowing that he was in the building at one point or in your system at one point and you let him get away. Um, So that's always the guy that always pops in my head. If I'm looking at a guy I could, I guess, poach, that's not one of those top players. I I don't know. I'm always in a big fan of shooting being added to added to this roster yeah. given the the big hole and the big need there right one thing i'll say about Struess though like i i kind of you know I, there's enough criticism to go around for ak and uh but like i kind of let 
that one, I mean, not slide. It just it sucks that we didn't let him go. But it's like he didn't. It's not his guy. He came in, a, you know, in a two way deal, tore his ACL. It's like, okay, do we prioritize that guy still? Maybe they should have, but it's kind of like, I think it's more so like when you're when you're replacing these two way talents, I think you're wasting opportunities with. Like I can't remember who they went out and got instead. They got like they wasted their two ways. They got guys that like probably couldn't even be shouldn't have been in the G League. Like they wasted opportunities with like I'm like a Malcolm Hill. I'm like no disrespect to Malcolm Hill, man. But like dude's like 26 years old. He's been around the like league how long? Like you're there's better younger players coming in for undrafted or in the G League in general that you can invest in. Um, I felt because I remember like a guy like Jose Alvarado, for example, like I remember he didn't I don't think he signed right away uh, coming into the draft, like in the summer league. I think he was still like out there, if I remember correctly. And I could be wrong, but like stuff like that. It's like you you have to you if you're coming and also another again rant. I'm sorry I'm taking up too much time <laughs> here, but like they they, they didn't invoke about the time scouting. limit salim no i'm scared <laughs> they, they you know they talk about scouting being so shocked that the bulls only had so much of player development and scouting and whatever and then you guys are wasting time not doing scout proper scouting so it's like i don't know yeah I don't, that's probably been one of my big frustrations sorry yeah struce is like it, it's just one of those l's you just have to take in stride and just tip you're at Miami is really good at collecting all of these these pieces from the the bottom of the the bag of potato chips and turning them into their own like bag of chips like Caleb Martin the difference is a phone call from J. Cole and <laughs> and then he's in the yeah. Miami building <laughs> and now he looks like a good player Struess was kind of left for dead and this is just what Miami does like they're they are unmatched in the nba i think in terms of winning on the margin and finding these diamonds in the rough like whatever system they have it's just it's just uncomparable to anyone else right now so so that that segues pretty nicely into this question that i actually had for both of you and i'll start with you edward and then we'll go to to salim for this one if there's one roster or organizational trait you could poach from either one of these teams Miami or Denver and give it to the Bulls, what would it be? Would it be for you player development? Hmm. I, I think so. I think player development is the is the one that I would I would say. And if you remember when the Bulls were looking for a new general manager, they were interviewing Andy Simon, I believe is his name from Miami. I think he's the assistant general manager in Miami. I think I, he turned him down. Yeah, he turned him down. Yeah, he turned him for down. For even an interview. Yeah. For even an interview. Yeah. So, and I, I think the assumption is that he's the heir apparent when Pat Riley eventually retires. So I, I think he's been given credit for a lot of how they've developed players using the G League and then just just the general system that they have with that pipeline. So uh, it's really interesting just to kind of see that play out even more since then. So uh, the Bulls were pretty correct in identifying the right guy there, but like Salim said, they just didn't 
they, they weren't even able to really interview him. So I, I would say player development because that is that has been something that's been biting us for the last however many years since we traded Jimmy Butler and we couldn't do it when we had guys like Lowry and Wendell and, you know, whatnot. And we're still struggling with it to a degree right now. So, yeah, I think if we had a a better plan for player development that Miami has, and yeah, we would be, we would be in a pretty good spot. I would say uh, to change it up a little bit. Again, I mean, I, I talked about it a little bit when we were doing we were, and, and so far, but like the moves on the margin. Like, if you can get good players, and obviously the development is there, but like one one thing I complained about in the last off season, a guy like Bruce Brown was out there, who was on the Nuggets, who was a good rotation player for them, who helped them a lot uh, all season and into the postseason, and then they had that. They had asked, asked him, like, were a lot of teams interested in me? He's like, nope, no one was interested in me. And then Denver reached out. And in that meantime, the Bulls are sitting there waiting for Gallinari for some reason. A guy, again, when you talk about the Bulls needing shooting, but you also need good defensive players. You need more two-way guys surrounding your uh, big three who aren't two-way players. So like a guy like Bruce Brown, who can play the three and the two kind of interchangeably, he would have been a perfect fit for the Bulls. And then, again, you saw what a good role player like Pat Bev can do even for you and what he ended up doing for the Bulls, how they better, how much better they played. Having guys that are, are, are you know, know their role, know how to excel in their role and come in and make it easier around for your other stars, if you will. Like, those are the type of, like, margin moves that can make a difference in the Bulls being, you know, maybe the sixth seed or even the fifth seed to like kind of dwindling down and struggling uh, to consistently, you know, keep pace with the rest of the East. So and stuff like that, it's, it, it kind of gets frustrating. Like, and granted, like I said, you know, there's a lot of people who go back and say, well, you know, this team is just not, there's a lot of flaws with this roster. Obviously he's going with the big three, but like that's more so in the sense that them being a title contender for sure. Like you're not going to be a title contender contender with, the Marzak and Booch being your best players, but you can still be a solid playoff team if you hit on the other aspects of your roster creation. But they failed at multiple levels. And like Lonzo Ball certainly masked a lot of that, but it kind of exposed like the fountain, the cracks in the foundation. When you lose a player of that caliber, who arguably is your third best player, you kind of and and the holes start leaking, like the water starts leaking. You see, oh man, all these things that we didn't do properly are being exposed because this guy was kind of sealing, was a sealant for those you know weaknesses. Yeah, I'm kind of Edward. You know, you brought up a great point with player development. We know, as you said, that that's something that this organization has kind of lacked um, <laughs> recent years. You know, they just seem to be in place to get a, a shooting coach in the building um, with the recent hire of, of Peter Patton, I believe his last name was pronounced. But I think I'm, I'm on the side of Celine. You know, we, we saw Calvin Booth in his first year on the job. He, he sheds the team of Monte Morris and Will Barton, some moves that were criticized, and he goes and picks up um, Bruce Brown and KCP drafts Christian Brown. You know, some, I think there's a little bit of luck involved here injury, team fit, you know, making sure guys are 
um, buying into to what the coach is selling and the organization is selling. But again, like Celine mentioned, the moves on the margins, we just haven't seen that enough from Acme, especially given that the three guys that he has, you know, pretty much given the reins to in the big three or the mid three, whatever you want to call them, because they need the marginal players to kind of boost them up more so than another team's best three players. It, may, it makes all the difference in the world for him to be able to hit on these guys, hit on draft picks, hit on the people who are going to be kind of supplementing Vucevic and, and DeRozan and, and Zach Levine. And that's something that he has really painted himself in a corner this summer in having to do um, if they're really not going to go the rebuild route. Right. Yeah, it's – I, I think it's really interesting, and we were talking about it a few shows ago, just about how AK AK left a situation where they were winning on the margins. They were making like they develop player Denver develops players well. They win on the margins. They're a really smart organization, and the fact that they had Tim Connolly, AK, and Calvin Booth in the same building at the same time. That that's just crazy to think about. All all of those guys play a really crucial role in what we see in this championship team in Denver. And AK obviously comes to Chicago and now struggling a little bit in terms of bringing those things that made fans like the move in the first place. Because a lot of fans looked at Denver and said, "Hey, with the way they're doing things, we need to do that too." And that fits the things that we weren't doing before, like. They're a smart team. They develop players well. They win on the margins. They 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 wheel and deal a little bit too. Like they do a little bit of everything. And I think that's what people wanted to see. And we we got to see some of that to a degree when it first started. And it, it was exciting. I think some of those moves uh could have been better depending on how certain things went. But yeah, it's just really fascinating how how that's played out when he came from a team that is is doing all of these things really well, but now he's here and he has more control and it's it's not the same vibe, you know? <laughs> uh, definitely. It, and I, it's really felt like since those big moves from 2021, it's, it's almost like everything's just paused. Right. Like, it's just like the pause button's been hit. And I think it kind of segues into the larger discussions I want to get to and that Drew and I want to get to in this podcast today is, you know, really covering some of the, the other storylines because I, what we've kind of talked about a little bit, each of you have covered this is like, they're in a situation now where it just seems like it's hard to get out of. Like, I know you guys have been talking about it on your podcast. We've talked about it ad nauseum since the season ended. I mean, you listen to any of the, Podcast and Bulls Nation, everybody's kind of frustrated right now because it just seems like there's a lack of direction and there's really a it's a really hard way to try to get out of this right now. So there's a couple of things that that we want to touch on for really good chunk of the discussion today um, that focus on, you know, some of the storylines like point guard talk, that philosophy of rebuilding versus retooling. But I wanted to start it off with um, a player that I feel like is going to cause a ripple effect on this offseason. That's Nikola Vucevic. So, of course, we know there's reports right now that the Bulls and Vooch are 
sitting down talking about a potential contract. Um, and I'm actually curious where you both sit on this. And I'm actually curious too where Drew sits on this. But uh, why don't we start with Edward, then we'll go to, to Salim. If you were in Acme shoes right now, how would you handle this whole Nikola Vucevic situation? So I, I think the reality is that this team is not going to bottom out. It does not seem like they want to rebuild. It does not seem like they want to just get really, really young and, you know, whatever order. They're just not going to do that. So under under that, I think bringing Booch back makes sense, especially if it's like a like a two-year contract, maybe with like an option or something for a third year. I don't know. But if you're still trying to compete, bringing Booch back makes sense because you are better with him than you are without him, I think. And you're just not going to find anyone who's going to fill those shoes. So you would be a lot worse if you're, if your objective is still to compete. So I, I think under that, it makes complete sense. And, you know, given your other options, sign and trade that little tougher to pull. Cause you have to agree on the pieces you have to find someone who's going to give him the same contract, whatever, whatever he wants to play there too. So a little bit more going on there, but I, I think it, it makes sense. It, it's not great. It's not a great headline. <laughs> it's not a sexy move, but it makes sense if you're still trying to figure out a way to compete with, with this iteration of the Bulls. So the question is what I, what, what I do if I was AK, right? Not necessarily what I think AK will do, right? Right. If you're in Acme shoes, if right. you so, if you possess them and took them over. Yeah. So I definitely would uh try to see if I can work out a sign or trade. Cause I I I I personally think the big three isn't cutting it. I don't think we should be running it back. And I mean there's larger discussions to be had about obviously we'll get into that later about retooling rebuilding, but I'd personally see if we can pull off a sign or trade because Realistically, Vooch isn't going to take, I don't think he's going to take like a mid-level exception type of deal, which a lot of these teams that, like, he probably wants to go to a team that's good, right? He doesn't want to go to some of these bad teams just to get paid. Um, but he probably doesn't want to take a mid-level exception deal to to uh, one of these good teams. He'll probably want to get that around what he's, either at what he's getting right now in, in a three-year deal or like maybe slightly more. So I think you can work out a sign and trade and figure something out. And if you want to keep trying to figure something out around Zach and DeMar, I think maybe getting a big that's a better rim protector that might be less expensive. And then you obviously cut down on your cap a little bit. And maybe you can do a little better job of building around Zach and DeMar with addressing shooting and things like that. That was what I personally would do. But yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting as far as what the actual numbers will be. Cause I think in the end extension will get done. Uh and it's not necessarily bad because I mean it depends on like the set of numbers because if it's reasonable deal, um, especially with the cap continuously going up, it could still be a movable contract. But I guess like I said, it depends on the actual numbers. Yeah, I think he he has to act me. Or I should say, uh, they they need to bring him back, um, just because if if he walks, 
that just makes another hole uh, in the roster that they have to fill when they already are kind of limited in what it is they can do to improve the roster. And, um, you know, Steph No outlined this beautifully um, in a piece uh, last week, just talking about the options available to the Bulls and um, where they could go and where maybe they should go. I agree with you, Celine, that the sign and trade is probably the, the best route, um, but they can't, they can't let him, obviously they're not, they're mm-hmm. trying, they're not going to let him walk, but they, you know, they have to try to um, get him back. Uh, especially if they're going to try to continue to compete, whether or not we want to believe they're really competing for a championship or not, <laughs> you know, that's another discussion, but um, they just have so few options right now at the disposal. Um, and that's not even accounting for the fact that the Reinsdorfs are unlikely to go into the tax. So it's just, you know, they're really just handcuffed, man. They really are. Um, I know part of the reason that I was in on them trying to extend Vucevic was the thinking that, you know, if you bring him in, you still maybe can move him down the line and he can be a valuable asset for you. But given the fact that he's going into, I believe, his age 32 year um, coming up, um, you know, he's he's getting older. Uh, it has to be a certain system in which that he's playing. Do you guys feel like the Bulls could move him down the line or is that not really factor into the equation as much for you guys? Him, the idea of him being a movable asset later on, if they were to bring him back. I, I think that factors in a good bit because you, and that's why you want to make sure that the contract that you structure is going to be something that is movable. So if you're, if you're talking about a two-year deal or something like that, or maybe there's a, a team option or something in a third year or some type of option like that, I don't know. But a, a two-year deal, I, I think, would be good. Like, it's solid, flexible, it, extremely movable, and then you're not limited in the teams that you can trade him to. I think with a sign-in trade, you're much more limited in terms of who you can move, where you can move him, because, again, he has to want to go there. They have to agree on numbers, and you also have to agree on who's coming back in return. So there's a lot of just moving pieces there. Not that it's improbable, but just a lot more going on. So I think it's I, de- I definitely think it's a it's a relevant point there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like I said, a movable contract depends on the numbers. Uh, it can be movable. Like if you extend them to like I think thirty million on average, I think that would be a little tougher. Like maybe if it's around twenty two million. Um, it might not be too tough to move him, uh, depending on how many years is left. Because uh, he was good last year. Like, let's not yep. obviously take anything away from that, uh, regardless of what the Bulls ended up having to pay. If he was good enough, that's a different conversation for what they gave up. But he was good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, it depends on the actual financials. And I guess my 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 thing with the sign and trade is my gut feeling is, like, he's not going to be able to walk because again, I, I just think the teams that can offer him cash or cap, like the money that he probably wants or he does want are all bad teams. So mm-hmm. I don't, I just don't see the, bull, the bulls being able to not work out a sign and trade for him to the destination that he would want to go to that is. So. I, mean, I think that's something could be worked out. And I, like, yeah, I just think there's a opportunity for a sign and trade. 
Yeah, I wanted to kind of throw this out there to to you guys to follow up on this. Um, I mean, a lot of times with with sign trades, it usually happens sometimes with the over the cap teams. Is is there an a team that maybe that isn't flush with cap space that might be interested in a Vooch that you can think of off the top of your head? Because this has been a tough exercise, I know, for me to try to figure that out. I mean, is there one that you guys could see that could spring up out of nowhere and, and want to work out a sign and trade with the Bulls? Mm. Don't all jump at once. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? I mean, it's not easy for sure. Like maybe the Clippers, but I know they like Zubak. Um, not sure how much of an upgrade he would be over Zubak. Um, obviously the Lakers like, yeah. would re- like the center because AD always says he doesn't like playing center, though even though he ends up playing center all the time. Uh, <laughs> I don't know with that. Um, Dallas would be probably the best destination if you think about it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, Dallas is a good one. How do you guys think he would fit? How do you guys think he would fit in Golden State? Um, I don't know. Like, no, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. They like they they like to close with like I think it was like usually with. I guess it depends on what happens with Draymond. Um, uh, I don't know if they're like that. That's done with. Like if he's moving on, that I suppose it could work if it's Draymond there, but um, depending on who the four is going forward for for the Warriors. My my thinking there is just his level of IQ offensively and um how he doesn't waste time when he gets the ball in his hands. He I think he would fit into that system in terms of the ball movement and the style of play that they like to have. Obviously he's not near the defender that Draymond Green is, um never was, never will be, but I think there's certain strengths that he has that may lend itself to what it is Steve Kerr wants to do over there. And while <laughs> I don't like you said, it, it, a lot of things would have to kind of shake out to, you know, um, give Golden State the wherewithal to even look in that direction to go with Vooch. But just just a, a feeling or a, a thought that that kind of um, came into my mind recently. Yeah, it. I, I like the I like the Dallas call. It, it's really tough though to to pinpoint a team, but usually with these with NBA off seasons, as we find out, it, it's always something completely random. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so there, there, I'm sure there will be teams that are, that are interested. We just aren't, <laughs> we're not thinking of it right now, but I, I really do like Dallas golden state a little tougher, but I, I could see the fit. I, he, he would give them great spacing for sure. Before we pivot to the, topics here i want to just go real quick around our our virtual room here what's the annual per year salary that we think vooch will get so i'll start with salim then go to edward then to drew i mean an annual like maybe around 23 i think Mm -hmm. that'll be the rough number like thinking something around like three years 70 million or something probably I know people will like be so mad when it happens, but like it's not really that bad of a deal. I think that's movable. Um, people are 
people keep looking at the the flat number instead of the percentage of the cap. Yeah. So that's <laughs> like the cap keeps going up. You know, I think what's that's like 15% of, of the cap. So people got to get into their mind like 20 million is the new 12 in today's NBA. Right. Like, think right, of it right. like that. Yeah. It's but, not an insane amount of money when you look at the the amount of cap, it's percentage that you got to look at for sure. Yeah. Right. Like, so I remember when giving 16 million to Ben Wallace was was like, oh my <laughs> God, what are you doing? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, pretty soon that's going to be like the mid level. So I mean, that's. So, I mean, that's what like people get, you know, crazy when they look at like the flat numbers and it's like, dude, it's not about the flat numbers, it's about the percentage of the cap. All right. So like I said, if, if he keeps playing the way he has, I think that's probably roughly what it'll be a movable contract. So I'm, I'm thinking about that much. 23 for Salim Edward. I'm inclined to go around the same. So if this is price is right. I'm, I'm going to go 24. <laughs> um, just looking at the contracts that are already out there, there really aren't a whole lot of centers that make 23 plus million. There are only seven centers in the NBA who made more than uh who made more than uh 23 million last year. And I could easily see Vooch fitting in that somewhere. So 24 million, 25 million. That I think that sounds about right given his production. He's a Still a double double, can shoot the ball, still a very good passer. I I think it just depends on the length of a deal, I think. So I think if if you're getting a good short term deal, I think he could get 23, 24 or something like that. So I I'll I'll say 24. Yeah, I think um I, I kind of settled in on at least that first year of the contract being at maybe 23, 24 million dollars. That way Vooch is is getting a little bump up in that first year coming off the last year of that contract he signed in Orlando, which was a de-escalating contract. So I think maybe the bull structure of this new one and sort of that that same way. So it's, you know, it starts off at 23, 24, but um, comes down from there, you know, in, in the next year or two, or however long they, they end up signing them for. Um, what do you think, Matt? I mean, I would put it, the, the number that keeps popping in my head is 23, which is what Salim said. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if it's kind of like a, a, a staggered deal, but I feel like 23 is the, the prime number um, or the average number. But yeah, I, I think there'll be years in there where, you know, I don't know if it's in the first year or the last year, or it could be at like 24, 24 and a half. But I think that's roughly the average. I think it's going to come out to about a $70 million over three year deal. Um, so I want to pivot real quick here to point guard talk. Um, and I want to start with somebody that I guess is really a, a point guard by title, but you could say he's a combo guard and that's Kobe white. Um, th- this situation I think is kind of interesting because, um, I think a lot of us expect him to be back, but it, do you all expect the bulls to be proactive in trying to lock him up on their terms? Or do you think they let him get an offer from another team? And try to match. Um, let's go to uh, Salim first, then Edward. I'm guessing they'll do the let him go get an offer because I mean that, that's what they've always done historically. Granted, uh, AK and obviously have been a little quicker. Obviously, with Zach, they went out and just gave him the full max. But that's Zach. Zach was an all star. Um, in the past, Bulls have 
that's how bulls are generally operated with restricted free agents to let them decide their market value. So I'm thinking that's what's going to happen. Um, I, I would hope that they can just try to figure out a deal with them because there's always a team that's crazy enough to give you a player, uh, uh, an offer because there are some bad teams that have the cap space and Kobe's a young player. Obviously the stat line didn't show it this year, but I, I, I thought he's since honestly, since the end of last season, he showed strides and development of doing certain things, especially on the defensive end. Like you saw him battling better on screens uh, at the point of attack, his transition defense, he was trying to make plays there. Um, and then obviously coming into this offseason, his ball handling and decision-making improved. Um, and like, you know, he, he had a smaller role, smaller usage, but he took, he played well in that and advantage of it. And I think he's, probably on the cusp of kind of breaking out into being a very good role player. Uh, so I think some teams might see that and be like, you know what, well, let's see if we can get this young player who was only 23 years old and we have a bunch of young players too, and he can fit in seamlessly and it'll be an asset again for us going forward. So there's always that risk. I feel like when, when you see guys like him uh, hit the market and especially in a weaker free agent class too, I mean, there's not a lot of big names, so it's not like someone's going to be waiting for this couple of big dominoes to fall before they start spending. Um, so that that's the danger there too. Uh, but I, I have kind of a feeling they'll probably wait, let the market decide, especially because, like I said, there we, we've so many talked about it. Their cap situation is kind of really crazy. So, like. They, they're trying to improve the team in various ways. And then the Vooch's numbers are going to play into it, all these numbers. And, yeah, we'll see. If Kobe does come back, but Acme is unable to bring in another starting caliber point guard and the Bulls are left with maybe letting him take the reins again in the starting lineup, <laughs> Do you think that bodes well for next season or will the Bulls be worse off? Um, let's start with Edward on that one. Um, I, I think it will be better than it was the first go around. I think I think Kobe is a much more he's a much more mature player. I think he the game has slowed down for him, and I think his fit next to Zach is much better. He plays better defense. He's still hitting open shots and off the dribble. He's been like expanding like more and more each season. So I, I think it will go much better than the first go around. I just don't know in terms of what this team really needs when you think about like the type of player that it like when you think about Pat Bev, when you think about Lonzo Ball, those type of players, completely different games from Kobe White. So I, I think that's still the type of player they want at that lead guard position. But I think Kobe White, I think he would still do fine overall. So if, if that's what it if that's what it's gonna be, and it there's a decent chance it will be, then I think it'll I think it'll be fine. Well, like I think it depends. Like if DeMar is still on the roster, I think it'll be fine. Cause I think the like Kobe's a solid secondary ball handler. Like I don't think he's like a primary guy that should be the 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 guy that really you know initiates the offense. But like he can he can be a release valve and let Demar you know kind of be the lead in late games. 
still because he is the better decision, best decision maker as far as ball handlers are concerned on the team. Um, so I think it'll be fine in that sense. And like I said, he when I was brought up, I brought up his defense has gotten better, so he will, I think he'll be a better fit in that regards next to Zach. But it also comes down to just the Bulls about opportunity costs. It's just they don't have a lot of options. They just don't. Like the free agent, like and I know the recently they, the Fred Van Vliet, you know, he's going to opt out with Toronto and, you know, Chicago was mentioned as a team that would be interested, but he's going to be out of the Chicago's price range. Like Fred Van Vliet didn't opt out of $22 million to go play for less than $22 million. He's going to want around that much on a bigger deal contract, just the same way Vooch. Um, and at that point, it's like, okay, well, if the Bulls want to do that, they're going to have to lose Kobe because they can't afford them both. And on top of that, when you lose a young player, is it worth it for a guy that's, you know, a, a, what is like 32 as, as well? Like he's, well, he's 28. He's going to be 29, going to 30 and so forth. But he's on a decline a little bit, it looks like. Is he healthy? Yeah, it just the options are not great when you really look at what the Bulls can do feasibly. So it's almost like because of, by default, Kobe has to be the point guard. That's what it, that's what it's like that for me. I, I just don't see an op, option where you can go get a point guard that can start for you, and that's going to be a better option when considering what you got to pay them than Kobe. Yeah, that, that's looking like the theme of the offseason, potentially. It's like... Uh, I don't really, really want to do this, but mm, it'll be fine. It'll be all right. We, it's better than whatever that is over there. It, it, it's better than nothing. So, strap pockets. It's kind of you're all you're always talking yourself into stuff at this roster at this point. It's like. Yes, we could do this. Yeah, it'll be fine. Because <laughs> there's just there's so little things. There's so little room. Yeah, like, like if you're still trying to win with this team, it's like yeah, Kobe White's not I the keep, starting point guard in the NBA. He's, yeah, I keep I keep do, I keep joking. I'm I'm like a Larry David Jeff with when he's just kind of shaking his head. Ah, okay. Uh, <laughs> like every time you talk about continue you're trying to win with this team. And any move you can think about trying to do add to the team is like, okay. <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, it could be a lot worse. We could be that team over there, but we're not. I mean, also, I feel like there's even benefit, too. If you bring back out like Kobe and, and you you give him more touches and more minutes, too, it, in that starting point guard spot, I think it. we talk about movable assets. I think that's something that you could glean from that, too. I think when you do inevitably hit that reset button at some point, think he does become maybe something of a, a little more attractiveness at that point too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I enjoy Kobe season. I think as much as anybody else did, as much as you guys have, but I, I wouldn't feel great about him taking over the starting point guard duties next season. Cause I feel like that's pushing the roster the wrong way. Like they need to push it down and keep him in that that six man role I think and have more of a more of a facilitating point guard like I know DeMar DeRozan if he's on this roster next season it's kind of the de facto half court point guard decision maker but just somebody that can help organize them a little bit better um and ideally be somebody that has that three point touch 
So maybe I'm kind of talking. I don't know. If Kobe, if, if Kobe, that, though? That know, guy's not gonna. That guy's gonna cost money. Like I the know. Bulls don't have that money. Who, I think, who is that guy? Well, <laughs> it either is gonna cost you money, or it's gonna cost you having to part with one of those guys from the big three, in order yeah. to I mean, make Chris it work. Paul if he's on the free agent market. But like, how much is he gonna cost? Like, can will he come here for the minimum? <laughs> I'm glad. So would you be interested in that? <laughs> if 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 the the Suns are not talking about waving him just to kind of bring him back on a team or more team friendly deal. Would you would you if you were AK be on the phone with with Chris Paul's agent? So yeah, when, I mean if you're trying to win, if you're trying to win, might as well, might as well like see if you want want to come here. Especially like so, let's say in a scenario you can keep Kobe still, and 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 you can sign Chris Paul to the biannual exception. Um, that's I think like three, four million. Um, maybe that works out because obviously that relationship with Kobe, he'd want to come here, and you know, and then obviously I think not sure if he has a relationship with uh, Demar and Zach and at any level. I know he's spoken uh, positively of Zach in the past, um, so maybe that's an opportunity because. And and realistically, like he would be a huge upgrade for the Bulls at point guard. He just would, regardless of how much he has left. I mean, he's probably still a solid uh, starting point guard. He may not be a star anymore, or an all star, or whatever borderline all star, or whatever you want to call him. But he's still like a good point guard. So yeah. he would be a massive upgrade for the Bulls there. Yeah, Chris Paul. So, yeah, they they would have to. Yeah, Chris Paul ranks pretty high on the list of ways to make this thing potentially better somehow. And it's a very short list. But if you could get Chris Paul, yeah, absolutely. Because like Salim said, he's still a, a very he, he's still a good starter. And he'll give you what was he like 14 and 9 last year? So if he gives you 13 and 8, still shoots the ball relatively well. I would consider that a, a big win, and the team would, the team might actually win more games next year. Like they're not going to be a contender or something, but they might be like a forty-four win team potentially. I don't know, but I, I think would, defensively is only where you kind of yeah are worse off because he's just not what he was defensively. He can't defend the way he used to be able yeah. to. His body doesn't allow him to um, take that type of punishment. So yeah. he kind of he kind of coasts on defense now. Um, yeah, it just again, it's just those things like you're giving something up, and it's it just like this is probably good. I guess <laughs> I don't know. It's better than Kobe White. It's better than Kobe White, and Kobe White is sure. nothing. So let's do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. So again, it's, it's the same type of thing. It's like, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me, let me throw another guy. <laughs> let me throw another guy out here. That's, that's still on the, that was on the roster last year. Uh, had a rough sophomore season. That's Io DeSumo. Um, How big of a mistake do you think it would be to let Io walk? I mean, even though he struggled a little bit, like, it's only two years into his NBA career so far. Um, do you think there's still potential there? So um, I'll start with with Edward, then we'll go to you, Salim. 
I'll give uh, complete credit to uh, Chris Abinson of Switch Theory for what I'm about to say, but I think if you have to let Io walk because of this predicament that we're in, if you have to let like these young promising players walk, then it's a disappointment. So ideally, you would like to keep Io because I think I think he's better than what he showed last season. He didn't get that much worse last year, so hopefully all of this doesn't result in io leaving as well because we've seen those flashes where he can be a really solid two-way guard and he's got good intangibles he works hard like he's a good kid and i don't think we've seen his best basketball yet so i hope that they can keep io i i know it's going to be tough but i hope that i hope that they can keep him and i i think him getting deals locked up with him and kobe i think should be very very important to what this team looks like not only next season but the next couple of years so you got a second round steal let's keep it and let's see what he can do yeah i, I echo edward um and I, even like with the fred man leaving losing kobe for that it's just bad like i don't like the thought of like going you're you're a mid team right now you're gonna be slightly above mid and you're losing young talent for that that's just bad. It's not good. Uh, to continue to do that is just stupid to me. Uh, so it would be like maybe it won't be a massive mistake, but it's just a mistake. It's a mistake to lose a young player for right. not much of an upgrade. It d- doesn't make sense to me. And that's why I was vehemently against leaving last trade deadlines. Like the rumors about, oh, the, they might trade Kobe for Jay Crowder. It's like, no, they better not. <laughs> they absolutely better not. I'll, I'll, I'll go and I'll go to Amway Center and like hunt down Acme, man. What are you guys doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> stop, stop putting us in a bigger hole. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Plus, do we really want to add Io to the list of man? He, he why didn't he do this in Chicago? Players, yeah. like, I mean, we, we've seen Bobby Portis blowing up without Chicago. We, I mean, we saw campaign, man. Like at, at this point, it's just like, do we, do we really need to be careful about who we let out? the advocate center at this point and i think exactly. I could be one of those players where in a few years everyone was like oh wow chicago let him walk for for nothing or they let him walk to sign jay crowder like <laughs> i don't know like right no 100 percent. <laughs> because like i always in it's about responsibility and like what you're asking him to like, like obviously it was a mistake to say i should be the starting point guard like it was just kind of put him in a bad spot, and realistically, he's just a solid rotation player and can be valuable. He has things that he does well, and he goes to a team all of a sudden that puts him in that role, and he starts playing well again. And it's like, wait, the Bulls let this guy go, a younger player that is a positive on both ends, and for what to go from forty wins to forty three wins? It's like great. Well, and you know, it's an even bigger mistake when you just probably made a a a pretty key hire in player development, hiring a shooting Mm -hmm. coach. Like this is the perfect kind of you know player you want to have develop under that kind of tutelage too. Like you know, you add that wrinkle to his game, providing more consistent outside shot. I think he becomes even more lethal as a role player. So to me, it, it would be a big mistake to. To let him walk for sure. Um, 
I want to get into the the discussion of retool rebuild here. So I want to kick it off with this question because I think this has been like a pretty big debate in Bulls Nation about rebuilding versus retooling. And I don't know about you guys. I think there's gray area with this because like does a rebuild mean trading two of the big three or is that just trading Zach? Is a retool trading like one of those guys and Caruso? Um, so what do you guys define as a rebuild versus a retool? And I want to start with you, Salim, and then go to to Edward on this one. And, and Drew, I'd like you to chime in when they're done. I think it's a rebuild would be like if you're moving on from Zach and then obviously moving on from like Damar and just really shaking it up. Um, I think, I think where the bulls are at is basically no matter what you're headed towards a rebuild because just because of the fact that let's say, even if you do try to do a retool, you're going to end up in a situation where you're not going to be that good. And then eventually Zach gets mad and wants out. So I think the inevitable, I think whatever Acme does this offseason outside of just saying, you know, we, We've just come to our senses and let's just start over here with this. We're, we're just not going to be heading anywhere with, with this roster uh, doing like that Titanic, you know, shuffling the deck chairs on, on the Titanic type of thing. Let's not, let's not waste our time with that anymore. Um, I just blow this up. So I think it's inevitable at that point, but like, yeah, the re- a retool versus a rebuild is definitely like, I think if you say, all right, we're trading Zach, and and then Demar and just making a massive change there. That's a rebuild, and then retool are just kind of sending loops somewhere, and then saying, okay, well, we'll still continue to build with Zach and and Demar and try to figure something out around that. Yeah, I I agree with Salim. I think when AK was talking about changing the shot profile of the team, obviously that can mean multiple things in terms of players taking more threes or acquiring players who are going to take more threes. I think that really signaled how they're potentially viewing a retool in the sense that can we shift some of these things around, find a better way to play that is going to be more sustainable against competitive teams. And could that potentially make us a better team right away? So it's an interesting thought. I'm not sure if it would make us, better right away but it would be good for the future to have that playing style in-house and to have that profile in-house um and with a rebuild yeah i think if you trade zach then it's automatically done if you trade vooch not necessarily if you trade damar could could go either way but yeah i think if zach is the first domino to fall or is a domino to fall at any point then you are in a rebuild like the, the that's just undebatable at that point um but as Salim knows I'm a selfish fan and I personally do not want to watch a rebuild <laughs> after just getting out of one so soon even though I know it's something that is probably on the horizon at, at some point but I, I selfishly would like to watch a competitive team and rebuilds at this point are just I, I'm getting trauma from it man like the the early 2000s and then the last three or four years that we had before this is just i don't know i, I just 
I'm not ready for it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mentally. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> it makes for a great name for a podcast. I'm right, right. You, right. That's, 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 so, <laughs> a spotter. Y'all would be in your bag, but me coming home and turning on League Pass, I would just be man. <laughs> I would just be. Well, your your podcast name is better than our podcast name because there's nothing gold about the Bulls ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're, we're, gonna be, we're gonna be waiting a while for Bulls gold. Uh, uh, <laughs> Bulls gold was of the yesteryear Bulls. Yeah, we're, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're looking at Bulls bronze right now. Uh, with Bull. getting the mad. gold Bulls is really the... no, they're bronze, man. <laughs> they're like the Bulls, like well, the uh, they're fake. Fake bronze, like copper. <laughs> They're setting records for the number of rebuilds. That's the gold of this era. Just the the yeah. volume yes. of rebuilds you could have. Yeah, and I, I think it's just Jerry Reinsdorf is just he's up there in age, and I just think he just doesn't want to go through all of that again. Like he, he Jim doesn't care. He just doesn't want to spend money. He doesn't care about right. winning. Yeah, that, that's that true. dude doesn't care about winning. But, he, he, if you could get like. People always talk about like, oh, he wants to see a winner before he dies. Like, look at the Sox. He doesn't he didn't care about winning. He just wanted to save money. And yeah. if he can get fans to buy tickets, that's all he cares about. He, he wants to dangle that. He wants to dangle that carrot in front of you. Yeah, exactly. You can. Exactly. The the fake the fake winning effort. Like he cares. Like, and I, don't get me wrong. If the Bulls had like you know a superstar, and I'm sure they would contend. Yeah, because it would have a roster around it, but he's not gonna like go out of his way to do that's not the priority. It's it's a secondary, it's like a two-way, it's like a one A thing. Like one one is month make sure the team is making money. Yeah. And then one A is okay, can we win? <laughs> yeah, right, right. So it's it, it it's it's such a tough thing, like rebuild versus retool, because ultimately you're just like, okay, well. I, I think the objective that I, I think more than anything, people just want to see good, smart moves. So whatever that leads to, great. Um, that's a retool cool if it's a rebuild, cool too. But I, I think yeah. we just want good moves and we want to see the team active and trying to make something, trying to maximize whatever they're they're going to do. So it, it seems like that's going to be a retool. So let's see how they can maximize a retool with uh strap pockets i don't know yeah i'm, I'm with you no, I, sorry, I, I, no it's all right i was um i don't want to see them tear it down to the studs i really don't and i keep telling myself that they can keep zach throughout that throughout whatever process is going to happen as long as he obviously um still has his heart here in Chicago because he just can fit so seemingly so seamlessly with practically anybody you bring in here, whether it's, it's a disgruntled star or, you know, the next lottery pick they look into. Um, you know, I feel like as long as they can, or I should say, as long as he still wants to be here, like he should, he should be here just because of the type of player that he is, the score that he is. Um, so that's kind of where I've been, throughout this whole process as this season has kind of gone on. Like I've, I've slowly come around to the idea that um, they need to break some of this apart. Um, but I just think that Zach doesn't necessarily have to go because of it. And like you guys have already said, if, if, if he were to be traded, that would automatically trigger 
a rebuild, in my opinion. Um, to that point, though, is there is there anybody on this roster who's untouchable in your eyes? Um, we can start with Salim on that one. I mean, untouchable is tough because, like, no one's really untouchable. But, like, again, it depends on how much better we're getting. So I, I would not want to give a pat unless you're getting, like, in a package for, like, a star caliber player. Like, you're, you're putting together, like, you know, Kobe, Pat, and, like, more picks on the line. I, I wouldn't want to trade more picks. I'm not saying we should. But, like, something like that I would trade Pat for for a star. But, like, you're just kind of trading Pat to trade him at two for a win-now player that's probably just a little better. I just don't think that makes sense. Um, so, I mean, I guess Pat in a sense, but like I said, it just depends on the more sort of return that you're getting. Um, if anything, it, it, it's, there's not really technically an untouchable player on this roster for me. Yeah, agree. There's there's no one on this team that's untouchable. Pat is a, a prefer not to trade scenario. Uh, Zach is tradable. You just want to make sure that you're getting a really good, really good deal for him. So Pat is probably the team's best asset overall, and they should be trying like hell to make sure that they can lock him up long term to a deal so that yeah. he can fulfill his potential put, uh, in whatever iteration of the Bulls we have going forward. But yeah, there's there's nobody on this team that that cannot be traded like by absolutely no cost. So we'll need to go young and more three point shooting. Not athletic because athletic is relative. <laughs> right, right. Young and more three point shooting. So keep Pat. Get rid of the oldies, old dudes. Yeah, I, 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 no, I was gonna say I, I would ask, I would ask Matt that same question, but I know he's ready to blow this roster to smithereens. So, <laughs> dude, I, me yeah, and Matt nobody, are in the same. Nobody's safe to me. There, there's nobody safe yeah. on this roster. Like, uh, even to me, if the right deal were there for a Pat Williams, I'd take it. If if a Knicks level deal like was being discussed at the deadline is there for Zach, I'd take that in a heartbeat this off season too. So I feel like any deal is, is open to me. I think everybody's, everybody's tradable. Um, yeah. The tradable podcast, that'd be a great name right there. <laughs> yeah. And then like with Pat, it's for me, it's like, I would want to keep him and like, I guess you can put him in the middle just simply because you're not going to get what you want in return and the direction I want this team to go in. He fits that direction. Uh, like a younger team that's trying to get back into the, you know, build through the draft just simply because, you know, you you have your pick next year and then the 25 pick is top 10 protected to San Antonio and then the following two years is top eight protected and then it turns into second round pick. So I think it's like the prime time to be really bad the next three, four years. So you can keep your pick, get more young talent. So you don't give up another first rounder uh, to like give up like the tenth pick in the draft to or eleventh pick in the draft to San Antonio for just a middling playoff team, and you're just kind of churning along. Especially that 2025 draft, like there's some like Cam Boozer that's coming in that draft. 
um, that's Carlos Boozer's son, like Cam Boozer's supposed to be a really high-level prospect. Like, he has star potential that you can build around. There's another um, child to uh, Larry Golden, uh, Laro, uh, Coach Laro, that is. You know, he's been, he's been telling me about this kid named Cooper Flagg that could reclassify, and maybe he'd be part of that draft. He's supposed to be a really damn good prospect. Like, if he's in that, too, like, man, there's guys in that 25 draft that if the Bulls land one of those guys, and then all of a sudden, even in the 24 draft, they have a higher pick that they get a, you know, young, good prospect. You start looking better in the next few years, and then you're not in this, like, you know, place that's like, oh, man, what are we going to do? And then if you, like I said, you traded some of these guys like DeMar, Zach, and Booch, and AC for future picks and all of a sudden you're looking a little better as far as uh your future and what you can do moving forward but yeah i just think yeah i just think like with this roster it just makes more sense to say pat shouldn't be traded because the direction they should go to is that to have more players like around his age not trying to be middling to trade him for older guys that are not really going to make you that much better. So, you know, I'll, I'll actually throw this out there because I think it segues nicely talking about drafts here. So we know the bulls don't have a pick in this year's draft, but um, there has been some kind of interesting rumblings around the number three pick because the Portland trailblazers, it sounds like are looking to shop it. Um, now, the other part of this that's kind of just perplexing to me is the the Charlotte Hornets and all this smoke around them wanting to take Brandon Miller. If they're dumb enough to pass on Scoot Henderson for Brandon Miller, um, how aggressive do you think the Bulls should be to get in the top three? And what do you think could get it done? I know it's a lot has to break their way, but what do you think would be enticing to a team like Portland in this scenario. Let's go to Edward first, then to Salim. <laughs> oh man. Uh <laughs> I, I think anything for number three has to start with Zach, Zach Levine. So uh it, at least if you're if at least if from Portland's standpoint, if, if they have to do if they had to do a deal with Chicago, it's it starts with Zach Levine. Uh I don't know if they would need more. They potentially might want more. They might want another pick or something. I don't know. Or they might want another player. But I, I think it would be something where you're looking at trying to trade Zach Levine for the number three pick overall. So um, I, I think in that sense, if you could get a deal done with Portland, I think a rebuild, and again, coming from someone who does not really want to watch a rebuild, but I think it makes sense because then you have a guy who you could say, all right, this is the clear, like a clear premium prospect that we can build this thing around going forward. And he he could be a top 20 ish. I don't know, potential player one day if he really hits his ceiling. So from that standpoint, then it becomes a little bit more believable, believable because then you have, Brandon Miller, and then you have Pat Williams. It's a really good young wing combination there, and I, I think that's something that you could that you could really 
promote well. So it it, it, it has to start with Zach Levine. I, I don't know whatever pieces fit in, but it, it would have to start with Zach Levine. Yeah, so I'm a little more um a little more aggressive with what I would do for Scoot. So and then have for Scoot, not for Brandon Miller. So let's say oh, yeah. the, the smoke is real, which I'm starting to think it is. I think there's a lot of BS going on. Um similar to how last year with Paolo uh and and Jabari stuff. Uh, I think there's some shenanigans going on to try to get that Portland pick to be more valuable by um, by uh, certain people, um, probably in particular. Um, but let's say if Scoot Henderson is there, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind offering both Zach and Demar. See if you can get them. Because I think there's that dude. Like, you get Scoot, I think he's going to be fucking great. He's going to be the type of guy that can build a title team around, um, championship caliber team. So I would do it. I know Bulls fans hate that. Will hate that. I think I'm an idiot. I'll wear the crown if it if it happens negatively. Uh, it doesn't turn out as good. But I, I do I do think Scoot's that good that I would be willing to take the risk. Um, obviously, realistically, I think either team would want to do that um, because I don't. It seems like Portland wants to get more of like a elite level three or four to play next to Dame, like an elite. I guess objective, but I think like a guy like Pascal, who's more of a really good to where he can score, but he's really really good defensively too, to play next to uh, Dame because obviously Zach and Demar both have their defensive issues i mean i know zach has been better than what his rep gets given like credit to but obviously when dame dame doesn't defend like at all so you want to have better defensive players next to him so that's what like they've been like the miles they've been they've been down by like miles bridges not miles sorry mccall bridges um who obviously i don't think it would be like a huge upgrade for them but i think it, that's the type of guy they're looking at, more two-way guys. Um, and then on the Bulls end, you're obviously you're giving up like a bunch of stars. And granted, I'm, I'm a big believer in Scoop, but you still probably want another asset, future asset in a return too, because you are giving up two all-stars uh, for an unproven guy. So you probably say, okay, well, we want another pick in the future, which I don't think Portland would be willing to do. I- so wanted to ask this actually to everybody here is so i know you said that you think there's a lot of smoke with with charlotte could you if if charlotte is dead set on adding a a brandon miller because they think it's a better fit with with lamello could you pull one on them and say well look if if you're looking to add a wing how about i give you a proven asset in a zach levine and we'll take i don't know bad contract off your hands like a gordon hayward um would you pull that move instead and try to leapfrog the Portland Trailblazers? Anybody trying to make a deal with them? Yeah. If you can, if you can get scoot in some way, sure. <laughs> like game on. Like that's a it's about getting scoot. That's all I care about. Like I don't 
I wouldn't do it for necessarily like there's less things that I would give up. Um, like I would still give up Zach for a top five pick, but like I'm not gonna add more stuff onto Zach unless I'm getting scoop. You know what I'm saying? Like I would still trade Zach if the for the third pick, but I'm not trading more stuff than Zach with Zach to get that third pick yeah. uh, for a scoop. If you're taking back Gordon Hayward and getting number two, like I think that's a great deal, honestly. Like Hayward yeah. is what Hayward's got like one year left on his deal. So I mean, if you're gonna rebuild, like that contract really isn't anything bad. And you know, you you'll probably buy Hayward out at like the deadline or something like that too. But yeah, I think that would be amazing. It's just I, I think Charlotte at this point, they're just trying to they're really trying to leverage something and it does it's it's not advantageous for them at this point to be zeroed in on anyone they they really hold the cards in this draft because everyone knows you know who's going number one so they control the chips here and they need to they need to maximize their offers so uh unfortunately for us it they could probably get more than Zach Levine for uh, number two in Portland is probably going to get more than Zach Levine for number three. So, but yeah, if we could do either of those deals, that would, that would be great. Again, I, I'd be team rebuild at that point. Like, yeah, let's do it. Like we, we have Scoot or Brandon Miller and that's how you can start a rebuild. Now you have a cornerstone. You have a guy that is going to, that you can really build this around for the next eight to 10 years. So yeah, that'd be great. I would take Hayward's contract in a, in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little leery about a team's best player being six, three and under who's not Steph Curry, but mm-hmm. it takes a generational type player to win championships. And I think Scoot, who I've not seen a lot of, I need to make that transparent here, but from all accounts is, is, you know, um, in the ilk of a Derrick Rose type guy, and he can develop a, a, a shot, he will be fun to watch from the day he become become or became a bull to whatever his career ended up being. So from that standpoint, it wouldn't be this, you know, end of the last dance bulls into this mess, mess of a rebuild. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be that. It would still be some intrigue there are a lot of intrigue there so I'm, I'm with you guys um in, in that regard like if they chose to go to rebuild route and somehow they were able to unload Zach and be able to get the second overall pick to draft Scoot Henderson it's a different ball game we're talking something totally different now right um kind of switching gears a little bit now if <laughs> I know it's like a snowball's chance in hell, but <laughs> if Reinsdorf's wanted to help their man, Arturus Cardosolis, out of that corner that he's put himself in, and they say, hey, man, we'll go into the tax for you. We'll, we'll do it. We'll help you out. We'll do, do you this solid. You helped us get back to um, relevancy last season, and we had some things go south with Lonzo Ball getting injured. We'll give you, we'll give you this. We'll do you this solid. Are there any guys in your mind – who you would want the Bulls to go after at that point, knowing that the luxury tax is, is not on the table anymore? We can start with Salim on that one. Uh, well, I mean, if you're going to end up keeping everyone and, and pay the tax, I guess I would be interested in a guy like Van Vliet, if you can 
they're playing, but paying the tax. Um, but I guess it depends again. I don't know. Like, you know, it's tough because I haven't really looked at the full free agent market. Um, I mean, I think he was like the bigger name. I think that's going to become, I think like, it seems like he's going to be one of the bigger names that's going to be in on the free agency. And that's, that I guess tells you everything you need to know about this free agency. It's like when a Fred Van Lee and no disrespect to him, he's a good player, but he's not, you know, someone that you would generally have as your top tier free agent. Um, I suppose like if they're saying, yeah, I we'll pay the tax. So that means you're not going to lose young players or lose Aya, lose Kobe. So you're going to bring those guys back for sure. Um, Fred Van Lee makes sense because like I said, he does solve that point guard um, situation because he is a solid team defender. Um, he can run the point guard. Uh, he's, he's proven that to be a good decision maker and a primary ball handler. Uh, and then he can shoot. So he solves a bunch of check marks and that make, and that means you're not, like I said, you know, you're getting better, but you're not losing young talent. So it makes sense in that regard if they will, could do something like that. But obviously then that's, what's the deal that works out sign and trade wise? Like, what are you giving up um, to get him? That's yeah. the question then. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, I think Van Vliet is, would be your your target there just because of the upside play and he's in his prime and even though he had a, a drop off last year but you figure he's still got a bunch of good years left in him so it, it really would just be a matter of can you work out a sign and trade that will that makes sense but if you can get him next to Zach and Damar I think you're cooking with something at least so um that that would be my direction and then also signing all of the young guys as well on top of it so um that could be a that could be a decent team like that could be like a six six seed i don't know fifth six seed i don't know but i'd take it yeah i I feel like that seems like the most logical option i mean there's there's some interesting names that are out there but i mean do you really want to go after kyrie irving i don't think i'm yeah, I don't know if I want to deal with that. No, he anywhere he goes, he that things don't end well. So I'm right. I'm good. <laughs> well, if you really want to rebuild, then yes, it, yeah. <laughs> just give it time. That yeah, he's <laughs> a natural rebuild. Yeah, it'll happen. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just not a great free agent. Like it's not a really a great free agent year. So, uh, even if you have the option to go into the tax, like there's really only a few players that that would really, really make your, really make your like eyebrows raise a little bit. You're you're probably not going to go into the tax for, for Harrison Barnes at this point or something like that, you know? So do you you think though, like, and this is actually kind of a follow-up to this. So let's say you, you get the full compliment, right? You, you're able to bring back some of those young pieces. You bring back a, maybe a slightly better fit with this roster at the point guard position. You know, you, you kind of said, you know, Edward, maybe that gets you like fifth, sixth seed. Do you think kind of resets you to a point where you're at with Lonzo? Or, I mean, they're they're not apples to apples the same player. So I, I don't confuse that because I think defensively Lonzo was giving you much more. Um, but do you think it could kind of at least get them back to that position to maybe then, I don't know, try to see what's what you can rectify with with this core? In the short term, 
Potentially, yeah. I, I think the only issue after that is that DeMar is a free agent the year after. And you're if you're going all in on Fred now, then at some point you're I don't know if you're going to be able to keep everyone together. You'll have to re-sign Pat to, to a, a pretty decent deal. So it, the numbers still get a little tough, I think. But um, I, I definitely think you would get somewhere around that. Like, And it's a it's a team that would be competitive, I think, against anyone. You would have Fred, Zach, DeMar, Pat. Maybe Pat can get a little bit more opportunity, but with three guys in front of him who were all perimeter shot creators and still gets a little bit tough right there, but that's a team that could win 44 games and 45 games. And I, I think that represents a decent improvement overall. It's just, it's hard thinking about something that could get you into that, that 50 win territory. So at this point, you're kind of scratching and clawing just to, to be in that that territory where you're not fighting for a play-in spot overall, which is cool, but that's just kind of the reality of it. So overall, all of this hinges on can you trade and wheel and deal your way out of this area? And I don't know, but again, it, it's it's better than what the alternative. Good transition. You said wheel and deal. So I got yeah. something for for our yeah. listeners here. We we did a give a little homework assignment to everybody here today. So Salim, Edward, Drew, and I we each came up with one trade each that we would like to see the Bulls make this offseason. So um, real quick, I'm a I'm a fan spo guy when it comes to my trade machines because I, I like to include draft capital. Is there something that you guys prefer? I usually use Real GM for. Uh or just just out of familiarity but i've used like the basic espn and fans what was cool too so i i guess it just depends on which one appears first when i type mm. in trade machine sometimes but i like the fans for one uh because it lets you like give uh a good estimate by as far as fairness of the deal and then mm. also um it can it, it can has the option of like including draft picks so you get a good picture of uh what your what are you the full trade instead of having to say okay well this also includes this this and this um so yeah fans was a nice one because like i said yeah the fairness of it is, is basically a very important part mm-hmm. because obviously i mean it uses like an advanced stat and obviously advanced stats aren't like gospel by any means but at least it's kind of gives you a good idea of you know when you're making this trade um does it make sense as far as for the team that's, you know, when you're trading these players for this, does it make sense for the team? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a, a fake trade guy, so. I know <laughs> that new, already. <laughs> it's a little bit new to me. This, this was a tough homework assignment, man. <laughs> um, but it was cool, though, seeing all the different, the ways in which you can make trades and all the options they have available. Everything's kind of right there at your fingertips. You can see the trades. You can even see like the, I think they had the exceptions on there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So it's pretty uh, vast, all the things that the fanspo allows you to do on there. Mm -hmm. This isn't a free plug. It's not like they're paying for ads on this. So, Um, (laughs) so um, I want to actually go around the room. So let's do this. We're going to start with Salim. We'll go to Edward, um, 
then I'll go and and we'll we'll let Drew round it out here. Um, so I think what what I'd like to do though is is share your trade and then we'll we'll kind of we'll react. So Celine, let's start with you. What what's the trade you got cooked up over there in the role of Acme right now? Okay, so I, I I came up with an original trade, something that's not been talked about. Like I know we've, there's been so many talks about port, trading with Portland, trading with Charlotte, various other trades. Um, I stuck to trying to trade into this draft into the top five to and to maybe target someone like uh, Amon John uh, Thompson. Um, so I was thinking, and and again, my thing is wanting to do a full rebuild, so that means trading Zach. Um, so I was thinking with the Pistons, uh, the Bulls send Zach and then they receive, uh, Jaden Ivey and the fifth pick and then, uh, Bojan, uh, for the contract matching, um, purposes. And I think you could probably then flip Bojan to another team for some kind of asset as well, which, that could be discussed separately, but that I didn't really look into, uh, but I'm sure you could. Um, but yeah, it's something like that. And like I said, if like for like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in Thompson. I don't know if, how much you guys have looked into the draft in general, but I've been kind of doing a little bit more digging into just because I'm sicko and unnecessarily <laughs> putting myself through pain because I know the bulls aren't getting any of these players. Uh, but I'm in Thompson's like, like an S tier athlete. Like he, and he creation wise, he has, he has it there. He looks like he has a potential as a pick and roll player. Um, shooting is a question mark, but uh, that's something I think you can maybe work with. But yeah, I feel like something like that. That's, that's the trade I was thinking of. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on it? Go ahead and uh, go ahead and yell at me if you think it's stupid. I don't. Know. It's fine. <laughs> I like I like the combination and and I like the rebuilding aspect of it too. I'm I'm always, I've been a big Jaden Ivy fan, so mm-hmm. yeah, I love I love getting that player too in return in that package. I think yeah, I I agree. I love that you included Bogdanovich into it because. I think he would be someone a lot of teams would be interested in and you could flip for even more assets. Um, he's somebody who a lot of playoff teams could have used um, in this, this tournament that we just saw, but yeah, I, I can dig it. I can dig it again. I'm not the biggest trade Zach guy, but <laughs> I, I see, I can see the vision though, Salim. I see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you get younger, you get two really good blue chip prospects add to Pat and Kobe and let's see what you can start and then just start, you know, being a team that's rebuilding and doing the tanking thing and start collecting more young players to the draft and hopefully you do a better job of scouting and and whatnot, but yeah. yeah, I, I, I think it's a good trade. I think it would suck to have to play Zach four times, but yeah, yeah that would suck, but you're you're getting you're you're starting off the a rebuild with on a good foot. You're getting two high end like two high upside guys, and I think that's kind of the most you can you can hope for in that situation. So I I think it's a good one. 
I think the whole question is if Pistons are there yet or not. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just saying Zach and Kay would be a fun talent to watch. Yeah. For sure. Like, I feel like he would be perfect because I don't think Cade is like a number one type or like a like a top scorer type, but he's such a good like ball handler, like decision maker and stuff like that. I think he would be well if he wasn't asked to be like a scorer. Like, I think he would really excel in that. And maybe he can still develop as obviously he can. He's super young. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of there's some discourse about him that's unfair right now. Um, about like him being a bust and stuff like that. It's but r- ridiculous in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean that would be a that'd be a nice tandem. Like, but like I said, I don't know if the Pistons are there as far as wanting to do a move like that because they're still figuring things out themselves as far as where, you know, where they want to go with some of these young guys and with their if they're if they're ready to stop rebuilding. So all right, let's go to Edward. Edward, what's your trade? All right, so man, I have not I have not thought extremely hard about like a as a, Drew calls it a fake trade in a, in a while. So uh, I try to put my best foot forward with this one. I, I don't know how original it is, but you know, I, I think it's okay. I guess. Um, so I, I went with a retool aspect, and I went with trading Demar to Rosen. Um, my logic behind this one was really looking at just shot profiles and really seeing how we can add a a ton of shooters to this team and still maybe compete in in that sense with just kind of improving the depth a little bit so i have a trade to send demar derozan and derrick jones jr to the clippers (laughs) for norman powell terrence mann and robert covington i did this one because i think powell gives you a pretty good score who can also shoot i think terrence mann is still youngish 26 still a lot of upside there he's on a good deal and then robert covington is really just kind of salary filled but he's also a pretty good vet who can still shoot uh shoot, still shoot a little bit too so for the clippers i kind of looked at it from their standpoint of they may be desperate DeRozan's a hometown guy they were i think they were interested in DeRozan at some point in his free agency he's on a one-year deal so you'd have a big three with him Kawhi and Paul George and DeRozan would be somebody who could fill in when there are injuries to George or Kawhi so I I think that aspect of it could make sense for them to get someone who could really kind of negate that a little bit more but that's what I went with man roast my trade let's do it (laughs) I mean it's safe role players that you're getting back which is kind of nice if you're kind of just looking to to keep this train rolling for a little longer I, it, that that is the kind if we're thinking like what could be a move that this regime could make that's probably the most realistic one so far i i we haven't heard drew's yet but no yeah. i i like it just because i again i'm a i'm a retool guy and you lose i feel like no matter where you move demar this team is 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 going to lose some bit of itself because DeMar means so much to the team, not just with his um, his clutch shooting, but also his IQ, his ball handling. He is by far the team's best ball handler. He's their surest ball handler. So it, there is no perfect return, but um, I'm a fan of all the players that you name. Even though Rocco is getting older, I think he he still can, can give a team um, 
some of the best things that he has to offer in shooting uh, his defense to us, you know, help like team def- defense, his help side defense. So um, I'm a fan of it. If I was the Clippers, I don't know how I would feel about it just because we've seen DeMar DeRozan's body start to break down a little bit last season. And you're already, you're adding him to two other guys who have had some injury concerns. But like I said, man, it, it, Vegas can't be choosers, man. The Bulls are in a position where there's only so many directions they can go. Yeah, it's uh, like you said. It, it, there's it's a it's hard to imagine that we trade Demar and get someone comparable back. So if we are in a, a reality where we're retooling and we're just trying to look at building that retool around Zach and doing that and just improving the three point shooting a little bit, then a deal like this could make some sense because you add a lot of three point shooting suddenly and you're still kind of a small team, but. I mean, you have a lot of perimeter players now and you can really start to to really improve in that area. And then I think it also allows Pat to be in a position to get more opportunities because now all of a sudden your second best player is either, depending on if you sign, re-sign Vooch or not, but your second best player is either Vooch, Norman Powell. So Pat could compete with that for sure. So that's the best I got, man. <laughs> All right, so Drew, I do you want me to go or, or do you want to go first? Let, I'll let you pick. Let me go. Let me go. I feel like you're gonna you're gonna floor us all with not, some. It, <laughs> it's not gonna be. I'm not gonna be flooring anybody. I'm just giving you that right now. It's not gonna uh, be that crazy. <laughs> My mind is kind of boring. I think. I think it's more along the lines of what Ed said. I'm glad he brought up the word desperation because this is gonna play into how desperate the Mavs may be to add somebody to, to Luca. So again, I'm going a retool route and I'm thinking of sending DeMar DeRozan to Dallas and in return, getting Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Green, getting their 2025 second round pick and their 2026 first round pick. I don't think they give you the 10th pick of this draft. I don't, I don't, I think that might be a little bit too rich for their blood, but again, Maybe they get desperate. Maybe Kyrie doesn't want to sign with Dallas, you know, whatever the case may be. And they they really feel like they got to get somebody in there um, to help shoulder the, the load with Luka Doncic. So that's what I came up with. That's one of the ones I came up with. But that's the one I'm going to share here on air with you guys. <laughs> um, what, what do you guys think? Hey, you're breaking up a little bit for me. What was that again? Okay, so it was uh, DeRozan going to Dallas and the Bulls mm-hmm. getting it. Turn Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Green, uh, 2025 second round pick, and a 2026, 2026 first round pick. I can I can roll with that. Like I like I really like Josh Green. Um, I think Tim Hardy could probably flip at some point too for like something, and then you get that future, you know, draft capital that you can work with. Um, that's kind of makes some sense, I think. Yeah, I think it makes some sense too. Like, I, you're you're getting draft capital, and even if you flip or keep Tim Hardaway Jr., I mean, that's that's still a piece that you could do something with. I think either way. So, Dallas is a good call. I mean, we we've mentioned Dallas a few times here as a as a wild card in terms of desperation or adding some sort of veteran veteran help to their team. So it's it's possible they could be interested in in a few guys on this Bulls team. And I wouldn't be surprised if they'd already checked in on some of those guys at the trade deadline when there were rumors. So I think this fits the type of deal that 
would seem likely if if something were to materialize. So, yeah, I, I like that deal a lot too. And I know we've kind of talked about it a little offline, Drew. Like the Mavericks kind of always seem like this team that they need pieces to. I feel like keep Luca engaged, and like, that would be I think an interesting piece to add for sure. So it's funny when you when you said this, Drew, because you you and I have uh, we're on the same wavelength with our trade here. Now, mine is a three team trade, so it's going to include the Portland Trailblazers and the Dallas Mavericks, and I'm going with a full torpedo. So in this scenario, the Blazers get Zach Levine, Alex Caruso, their pick back with the protection on it, and a pick swap in 2028 for first round pick Dallas Mavericks get DeMar DeRozan. The bulls get in return the number three pick this year, the swappable pick a top four protected 2026 first round pick Tim Hardaway, Jr. Yusuf Nurkic and Anthony Simons. Now, cause a lot of that has to do with salaries having to match here, especially with Portland. This is a tough one because I even know like Portland. Eh, there's probably other types of star players that they're probably looking to add. But if you're the last one at the bar at the end of the night, sometimes that's what happens. So this is my last ditch Hail Mary effort. So feel free to rip it. <laughs> I mean, the Bulls are getting a lot back. So you get Anthony. I mean, you get Anthony Simons, number three, a I think you said, do you say two first or is it just one extra first? I think you said like a swap. It's, it's a swap. Okay, swap. Yeah, so I, I think they're getting a pretty damn good haul to torpedo everything. And again, you're in a position where you're starting over with potentially Scoot or Brandon Miller plus Anthony Simons. You still have Patrick Williams and you have a bunch of first round picks. So I think it puts you in a great position to really launch a rebuild. So good. It's a good trade. It's a good haul for the Bulls. I, I question if I still question the Portland side of it, but I think it's great for the Bulls. Yeah, same. Um, like because I it just seems like if the Blazers are gonna give up on the Blazers on that is what their way of thinking. If they're gonna give up Simons and the third pick, they want like that two-way three um type of player. So I think they probably wouldn't be into it, but I think yeah, it works out great for definitely works out well for the Bulls because you get a really good pack, good package for, uh, for your guys, and you're doing that rebuild, going into that rebuild with, you know, a, a, a arrow pointing up. I think. Yeah, that's that's a a win for the Bulls, in, in my opinion. I think more so than it would be for Portland or Dallas. So I'm I'll be here for it for sure, especially yeah. if, if that if that third pick wound up being scooped. Well, yeah. I guess this is my this is my question. I guess regarding Portland, is Portland just in a mode of desperation right now? Because like, I feel like whatever move they got to make, I, somebody's getting shipped out of value there, right? Like, I oh, think for Anthony, sure, Anthony Simons is definitely getting shipped out from what it sounds like. So, who who who's on their radar? That's what I want to know. Who's on Portland's radar exactly? That's gonna that's going to fit. That's not just CJ McCollum 2.0. I don't think Portland well, guy like guys like Pascal Siakam, um, two way guys like Macau Bridges. I think those are the guys that they're trying to see if they can get. 
Um, and again, I don't know how much. See, with like McCall, I don't think you probably have to give up Anthony Simons. You could probably give up just the third pick. Um, but Pascal, you would have to give up, I think, Simons. Um, but knowing Toronto, they would probably also want Shaden because Masai just likes to like, over, like not necessarily overvalue. I mean, Pascal is damn good player. He's all NBA caliber player. So it's not like you're, you're, it's not like, um, OG, where he's trying to get like three first round picks for OG, which is nutty. OG's really good, don't get me wrong, but he's not, you're not giving up three, four first round picks for OG. Um, but yeah, I think, like I said, I, like with Portland, they want to get guys that can really impact both ends of the court uh, for their young pieces and their young asset or their, their assets like that, I think. See, I think. I think both things are true. Portland is desperate, but they also have a lot going for them. It's like the la- it's like the last guy left in the club, but he also has a really nice car and he dresses fly. Like he's got some good things going mm. for him, but, <laughs> but you know he's he's not completely desperate, but he is at the same time. But it, it can work out for him. It's just a a matter of the <laughs> dot the t's and dot the i's. So they have what it takes to get one of these really good players and i think sean hyken on twitter was mentioning that like i think maybe a few weeks back that he he was saying that it's probable that they can attain one of these like po- possible players like pascal siakam or or michael Re- or michael bridges or whoever else so it's like you have simons you have the number three and you know we we can debate if if the value is there for it but it's kind of like more or less it's, it, it works out in a sense too. So I, I don't know. Like it's, it's almost like, yeah, both things are true. Like they're, they're desperate, but they have, they have things working out for them. You know, they're not, mm-hmm. they're not Dallas or another team yeah. like that. Where they're like desperate, but uh, they don't really have a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, I tell you what though, like, I, like if Scoot is there at three, like, man, I think you gotta take Scoot and trade Dame at this point. Cause realistically, Let's say you do trade Simons and the third pick. Um, is Pascal Siakam acquiring Pascal put them over Denver? No, no. So you're giving up a potential blue chipper. Oh, who is I? Not potential. He is a blue chipper. Who is going to be a guy? I think you can build a title around and Scoot and Simons to just be maybe a second-round team, maybe a Western Conference final team. I guess that's good enough if, like, your Dame, or makes him happy at least. But in the long run, would you be better off with yeah. Scoot, Simons, Shaden, and then all the stuff you're going to get for Dame? I, that's, I, see, I feel like I'm evil because I've been thinking that for the last few weeks. Like, I, I know it seems like they especially with the Portland fan base, like they feel like they owe it to Dame to try to make this work, but you're being given, I feel like a a golden ticket. Yeah. Like Portland, like you're being given a golden ticket right now. I feel like with that number three pick to just fully reset plus gain a lot of assets from a Dame trade. Yeah. that's that's You could probably get. Go ahead. ahead. You could probably get like four or five first round picks for Dame. Like I wouldn't be surprised some team. Yeah, offers that and maybe a really good young player. And all of a sudden you're looking like, damn, we're Portland's on the rise. 
Portland's in a great position. They are in a very unique but great position. Like like Salim said, they they can they can take Scoot or Brandon Miller, and they could trade Dame and get a ton for him, and then you would have Brandon Miller or Scoot. Simons and Shaden Sharp to start a rebuild, and then you have a boatload of picks. That's a great like like something that's arrow pointing up. That's a great rebuild situation, but you can also trade that player, get a really good in his prime two way wing back, and compete with that roster. I I wouldn't say could t- contend, but you would have a pretty solid team overall. So it's just. Like there's n- not necessarily like a bad route that they can go in with this, but it- it's just debating what what's the better route and better use of their time. And I don't I don't know. Me personally, I I, I get it with Dame that he is he he's this all time great player. And if you're Portland, you don't there's just kind of like an emotional factor there that you just don't want to see him put on another jersey and. They also had the factor that he actually wants to be there in Portland. Like he doesn't want to be in a big market. Like he he wants to be there too. So it it, it just kind of makes sense to keep going because he's such a, a big time star and means so much to that that area. And like he, he's such a, a draw to the to the fans. And it's just I don't know. It, it it's tough putting on like the the logical GM hat there when you have you know these pieces in place so yeah they're just in a they're just in a really really great possibly envious position right now where it's they have good options <laughs> yeah that's why i don't i don't i wouldn't use the word desperate with portland at all like i think it's just a matter of them figuring out which which route they want to go like I, like you guys said they just pick a lane what, what do you want to do and i think salim i got to give you credit because i think you would have one of the one of the first people um, who brought up that, hey, maybe they should trade Dame, you know? Because um, that, that might be their meal ticket to actually taking things to where they want them to go um, in terms of truly contending in the years to come. Um, so we talked about the Bulls. We talked about Acme and, and what we think they may do or what we want them to do. Starting with you, Ed, where, where do you – or what do you think happens for the Bulls this offseason? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh lord uh it, it this is the first off season in a long time where i i legitimately don't know <laughs> and I, I know that's not the the best answer but like we've been trying to figure out what they're gonna do on on our show too and it's just we, we talked about so many scenarios but it's just like i don't know usually like in Two years back, we were like, okay, they might sign Lonzo Ball. They might do this. They might bring in, bring in this type of guy. And even last year, we were like, okay, they're, they, they'll they have the MLE. They'll probably bring in some vets, whatever, whatever. I don't know what they're going to do. It, it's just we're, we're, we're the opposite of Portland. We are, we are one of the last guys in the club, and don't nobody really want us, but – we we kind of want we kind of want everybody. So <laughs> I don't know. If we're desperate, but we're we're low key. So it's just I, I don't know. Ultimately, I I do think that they are going to try and and 
keep chugging this thing along with with some iteration of this the same team it Jamar Zach and Wooch may still all three be here and then maybe if it falls apart again then at the trade deadline they'll look to to just torpedo it but yeah I I think they're gonna I think they're gonna try and compete I just don't know what the moves will be made to to do all of that I I go two ways. Like I don't know. Part of me thinks that they're just not going to do much. Um, they're going to bring back everyone. Maybe keep Kobe, let Iowa walk, and sign some more like minimum guys to just stay under the luxury tax. Um, but then there's also a part of me like wouldn't be surprised that they trade Demar because I find it interesting that. When you know AK talked about changing the shot profile of this team, um, the biggest way you can change this shot profile is by trading Demar because he takes up a lot of that mid range area. Um, and I, I mean, I personally don't think the team would get better by trading Demar. Uh, they will become worse, but it may be better in the long term just to, because you can change uh, the shot profile. Then you allow. Uh, Pat to get more opportunities to develop and you know you're gonna go through your rough patches and your growing pains with that um but again that you have the 20 year own pick in 2024 so maybe it's feasible to do it and then you can reassess again next year um another thing that the Bulls could do in like six months is maybe uh, something that I think you know not a lot of people are talking about uh but like Doug Tone has brought it up something I've been thinking of too, but I didn't know the exact rule behind it. Um, it was hard for me to look up, but uh, hat tip to Doug Tonis because he kind of pointed me to the literature behind it. But the Bulls can, in six months or so, if Lonzo is still looking pretty bad, they can try to do a, a ret- uh, retirement clause, injury retirement clause on his, on his deal where the league does a, uh, help like a checkup on Lonzo to see if he can play anymore again. And if he fails that, then you can get rid of Lonzo's contract off your book books. So again, you kind of retool aspect where you're adding some shooting young players. And then, and then, and then 2024 at that point, you can be okay. Now let's try to see if we can add more talent to be a playoff. Yeah. The shot. Uh, I think you'd have probably, yeah, because I think at that point you probably have more cap space too, um, mm. or ability to work with cap a little bit better, yeah. uh, depending on what you take take back for Demar. That is, like, as long as you don't take uh, a contract on that, it's going to eat more cap space in the following years. But like I said, with that, so I could I, I completely won't be surprised at that because the other reason I'll say that too is because like. It's interesting that they haven't, there hasn't been any rumors about an extension with Demar. Because if they want to continue doing a big three thing, you would think that they would start talking about an extension with Demar, right? Because he's coming a one year deal on his on his contract. So why haven't we heard rumors on that? And maybe he doesn't want to. After be. we're done, maybe in a well that. But I, I think Demar wants a. I would think Demar would welcome an extension because he want he would want to get paid at least. I would think. Um, so like, that's my, that's my philosophy. Like you, you're, you're, I know like the, with the boost, they're doing that extension. It kind of goes against the, 
the idea that they want to rebuild it. But I think Vooch is more about like, well, we can't lose him for nothing more so than uh, wanting to not do any type of shakeup. It's more so like, okay, well, if we, because we gave up so much for him, we can't, you know, we have to extend him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, as opposed to just doing the, the sunk cost fallacy. Um, like, you know, it is what it is. You gave up, but might, might as well not keep digging a hole and extending Wooch. Might as well sign and trade him. But I think it's interesting, like I said, that we haven't heard any conversation around the Bulls and DeMar looking at an extension of any sort. So maybe on draft night, uh, they tried to trade into the draft with DeMar and maybe get a shooter. We'll see. I I will say this, like to me, the ultimate red flag or what always gets my antenna up is is whenever Casey Johnson says something, because Usually if KC is dropping tidbits, it's usually informed takes. They're never really just his own random speculation. I feel like it always comes from some information he gets. I still remember the day after that press conference or a couple of days after that press conference with AK, he was on 670 of the score and said, I would not be surprised if the piece that gets moved is DeMar, not Zach. So to me, my my antenna's up going into this offseason with with that in mind, if it, if it comes from somebody like Casey. Gentlemen, it's always good having you both on. Salim, you've been on the podcast a record number of times. You're the, you're the guest with the most appearances. Edward, you've been on, I, I know, uh, quite a few times. Not, not as much as, as yeah, Salim. Trailing, but trailing big right now. Trailing big right now. But <laughs> real quick, before we let you go, if you can let listeners know where they can find you. I'm sure a lot of our listeners listen to Bulls Gold, but for some that don't, uh, can you tell them where to where to find you guys on social media and, and where they can find the podcast? Yeah, 100 percent. So we are to find a podcast barroom network. All of our all of our shows are there. We we record pretty regularly, so it's usually usually every week. Um, follow us on Twitter at Bulls Gold. And I'm at Edward Schuler Jr. And Salim is at jordan dynasty no not anymore I oh, not anymore. oh sorry sorry no, Salim, no, yeah uh, Salim bg hoops yep there we go yeah Salim underscore bg hoops yeah. yeah there we go that's <laughs> <laughs> nah, <all> good <laughs> awesome no and it really is a pleasure having you guys on and talking about all this as we get ready for an off season where i think there's still a level of uncertainty so it'll be a lot of fun thank thank you so much for coming on all right as a pleasure appreciate you guys All right, so that about does it for the Rebuildable Podcast. You know where to find us on Twitter at Rebuild underscore A underscore Bull. You can follow me at MGenteel88, Drew's at Look What Drew Did. But the best way, Drew knows this, Salim knows this, Edward knows it, you subscribe to a podcast. If you subscribe to the Rebuildable Podcast on any of the major platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, wherever you stream your podcasts, That's where you'll get the latest episodes the minute they drop. So please be sure to like, subscribe, do us such a great favor, and you'll do yourself a favor by getting all the latest episodes. With Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile, and we'll be back soon for more off-season discussion. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe 
on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.